This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Known and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me this week are James, Natalie and Kevin. Thanks to James who filled in for me last week. I've been allowed to return after my bad tweets gate. Um, unfortunately, a defeat to talk about this week. Burnley beaten at home, weirdly, in the FA Cup. Um, and Natalie, we should start with you really because you posted that we had one foot in the quarterfinals. So, what were you doing? <laughs> Oh, I know. I'm so sorry. I mean, this wasn't on Twitter, so I, I was hoping to keep it quiet. So nope. thanks for asking me on that one, Jamie. On the internet, I know. So I'm sorry, listeners. I may have posted a Facebook post at lunchtime today, um, tagging myself at the ground and saying I was watching the FA Cup. And my comment may have said one foot in the quarterfinal, which you just know is going to come back and bite you in the ass at some well, point. The, so, team played, the team played like they'd read your Facebook post. And gone, oh, I think they we've did. We've got one foot in the quarterfinals. We don't have to Don't need try to turn up. I'm so sorry, listeners. So actually, it, you know, it's it wasn't the tactics. It wasn't an under-par performance. No. It wasn't anything. It was it was my fault, so yeah. I'm sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, pretty disappointing the performance, wasn't it? I'm, 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 abs- I'm not entirely sure I'm going to be that um, animated. Well, maybe I will get animated, but I'm, I'm pretty annoyed today, so it's going to be a pretty gumpy co- podcast, I'm afraid. Well, we can leave the match analysis there because Natalie's just taken full responsibility, so let's move on to Kylie <laughs> Corner. No! <laughs> Jamie, I welcomed you back to the podcast on the grounds that you would have been that silly teacher, so let's end this now. <laughs> let's not be Kylie Corner then. Um, James, it's difficult to know where to start. The team, when it came out, looked strong. Stronger than it's been in the Cup all season. Heaton was playing Pope. Someone told me he got injured yesterday, otherwise maybe he'd have played. Andre Gray played. He's not been in the team for the Cup. The team on paperwork's more than strong enough to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, really, apart from a couple of defenders, it was um, it was a full strength side. Uh, you really would have thought we'd we would have done better, but for some reason, we just we didn't play our game. And I think part of it was that Lincoln let us have a lot of the ball, and obviously, we saw early in the season when we played at West Brom. If we have a lot of the ball, we tend to not do very good with it. Um, you know, we do enjoy other teams having the lion's share of possession and and then beating them. You know, with the way we play, sort of hassling and winning the ball off and scoring on the break. Um, so I don't know if it was partly that, but 
we just never really seemed to 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 get going and you know I think all day the passing was sloppy um you know we didn't seem to be on the same wave same wavelength of each other and the one time we were when uh, Tarkovsky played off that great ball for our field just you know he, he thrashed at it and, and wasted a, a great opportunity you've got to hit the target from there in that, in that you know even if it, even if it doesn't go in you've got you've, from that position you've got to challenge the keeper at least yeah but that, that, was, that was indicative of, of our whole play when we did manage to get the ball into a good area either the last pass wasn't quite right or they snatched at the finish when the, just more composure was lacking through the whole performance I think James is right we, not, we're just not comfortable with the ball Sounds like a bizarre thing to say about a football team, but we're much happier when the other team's got it. And we don't seem to have we don't seem to have a plan for when teams just sit off us and say, "Come and break us down." Absolutely, yeah. Um, essentially, what we what happened to us today is, yeah, okay, okay, we were we were we've definitely under par. There was some quite kind of diabolical performances in there, but we were we were Burnley essentially. Uh, Lincoln came with a very clear. Uh, a very structured game plan, which was to stop us playing, uh, and it and it worked. Um, and we just didn't know what to do. We we're very good at doing that to the opposition, but I think we're so well equipped to doing that, that to the opposition. But we we almost we we we've not got anything to we've not got anything in ourselves to deal with that when when it's happening to us. And I think there's been a couple of times this season when we've sorry in the last couple of years when it, we, I think last year and this year in a couple of occasions when we've had possession when we've had. Uh, more ball than the opposition. We, we've, we've, we've actually. That's when we've looked at our worst, um, bizarrely. And it, it's, it's strange to, to to look at it like and think about. But that's. It's just the way that we're set up. I think we're 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 very so drilled in that one way of playing, which has been fantastic for us on the whole. I'm not going to say that's a bad thing at all because I think that that very structured and very kind of drilled way that but it's that we work. Isn't way- it? You need to be able to play more yeah. than one way. Yeah, so I think on the whole that has been fantastic for us. I don't think we'd uh, maybe be in the same position we were with, with, without that approach. But on the flip side, like you say, it's it means that when we come up against something where we need to be able to change something and where that that one particular way of playing isn't successful and isn't working, that's when we really we really come unstuck. And and I think the frustrating thing for me was that. There was no even it. It didn't seem anyway like there was any attempt to change anything. But it was clear throughout the whole match that we were not creating anything meaningful at all, um, and it was clear that Lincoln's game plan was was working working reasonably well. And there, there was nothing at all. There was no attempt from 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 the management team to to do anything to change it up. I think probably related to that, the lack of options to change anything up, um, but. I mean, I, I, surely there's something we could have done. Well, there are there are things we could have done differently in that match, and they just we just seem to be happy enough to to carry on going and and just wait for the goal to come. I think when when our field missed that that chance at the end of the first half, I was like, yeah, that's annoying, but you know it it'll come. The, the goal was coming. It was, it was only I say when we got to like 20 minutes to go that I started to think, hang on, what if what if it doesn't come? What if we don't score? And it almost felt like the, the team was doing the same. You know, we don't need to change anything. We'll just keep going. We'll, we'll score eventually. And um, and uh, and we didn't. And I think yeah, it it's, it's frustrating. So we, we're talking again about you know we've 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 been quite good this season at being a little bit more flexible than usual. But we've we've come back to it together today with that. 
not having that ability or that desire to to change things and it's, it's cost us it's admirable in a way i think that we are so so closely wedded to one way of playing i think Teams like Bournemouth have had a lot of praise this season for sticking to their guns when it's not going their way. They stick with their principles. Um, but I, I just think today we played right into Lincoln's hands. We played a lot of long ball football, Definitely. which we do a lot of the time anyway. But those sorts of long balls up to the defence, like no disrespect to non-league footballers, but that's what they're used to defending. At that sort of level, they'll head those balls away all game. It's not going to cause too much of a problem. I think towards the end, towards the end there was a bit more effort to get the ball on the ground, but it, it felt too little too late by then. I thought we won absolutely nothing in there today, and that was that was a key thing. I mean, when was the last time Sam Vokes looked that poor? Yep. You know, at all, sort of with the ball coming towards him. I, I don't think he took it under control once, and he, he didn't win much in the air either. And it, it just that was really disappointing. But you know, we said before that we never looked like scoring. I actually thought we had more than enough opportunities to, to put the game to bed before they got their goal. And it was just a case of we, we didn't seem at the race at all. Well, Dash, Dash effectively said that in his post-match comments. I want to come on to them um, a bit later. For me, the, the, the great chance when Derrick was squared it, that's a really good chance. A lot of the others sort of half chances, really. Um, Natalie, the whole performance, though, just seems to be lacking in intensity. Not really any tempo from Burnley. What you want to do in a game like this is get on top from the start, make sure that Lincoln feel the difference in quality between the sides, but we just seem content to let them settle. Obviously, having to make the early change with Gunmunton going off injured makes it difficult, but there didn't seem to be a real concerted effort to demonstrate our dominance in the first half. No, you're right, there really wasn't. And I think it was quite a one-dimensional and quite a lacklustre performance all round. Um, it, it started very sloppy and it started very um, slow-paced. And I think I was looking at the clock, I think it was about 16, 17 minutes in. Um, Joy went in midfield in a really... Um, strong challenge on one of their players and just took the ball off him and we all said at the time like yes that's what this game needs you need to remind them that number one they're in a game and number two that we're not going to give them time on the ball to settle and just to have an easy ride this afternoon and I honestly thought at that point that that was going to be the change of the game I honestly thought that they were going to um, step up the pace and they just had a bit of a slow start but that was it. After that tackle, it just reverted back to the first 20 minutes or so and it never really got going after that. Um, I think... I don't know I don't know whether the good Munson injury changed the game that significantly because I think there were signs before that injury that things weren't 100% there. But obviously that's going to impact on them. And I think more importantly for me, once good Munson um, left the field with Arfield on one wing and Boyd on the other, we basically had absolutely no width at all and nobody available to put crosses into the box to try and, and create something for our front two. Um, I've said this before on the podcast. My view now is that Boyd is very much a defensive winger Um and I think his role in games now is very much to um, track back, to follow players, close them down and just put bodies in front of them to try and close down any space. Well, we didn't need to do that against Lincoln because they didn't have possession and they weren't creating the chances. So effectively, Boyd's role was irrelevant in the game. There was nothing for him to do in his normal his normal game. So we had absolutely nothing on that right wing. Derrick, obviously, for some reason, had been told tactically by Deitch that he wasn't going to push forward. Um, and I assume that that was 
whilst Goodmanson was on there. So just take the ball to a certain point, pass to Goodmanson and let him go further. But once Goodmanson went off, Di- uh, sorry, uh, Boyd's role was irrelevant. Derrickwa didn't change and the pace didn't change either. And for me, all of that just evidences just a lack of reaction all day, not just from the players, but from the bench as well. We just didn't ever react to circumstances and we didn't do anything to change it when it wasn't going right. I thought at half time that he'd get him in and, and give them a, a telling off and just, you know, say, well, this is obviously it isn't working. We need to do this, this and this. But they came out in the second half and did exactly the same as they did in the first. I think there's two things that you mentioned there, Natalie, which were the the one dimensional aspect to our play and also whether Goodmanson's departure significantly changed the game. And I think I think it does. I think his his departure does significantly change the game. I think that's because I think you you look at the you look at the midfield once he's gone, and you've got Barton, Westwood, Boyd, and Arfield, and there's no there's no creativity whatsoever in, in that midfield. They're all players who are kind of um, who can be very good at kind of maybe well, okay, maybe Westwood and Barton very good at kind of setting the pace uh, in, in in the in the middle of the field. Um, and they both need some more creative players around them. Someone maybe like um, kind of Hendrik or Defoe who can get forward a bit more like Brady. But when you've got all four players at that side midfield and there's not a single bit of creativity in there, that's a really big problem for us. Um, and, you know, Goodmanson... I'm a huge fan of his. It doesn't get off completely lightly here. I was thinking, of, yeah, he he definitely showed much more creativity in his however long he was on the pit field than anybody else did uh, in the rest of the game combined. But I think even at then, there's a couple of times when he looked like he was uh, showboating a little bit. Uh, I think there's a, a few occasions when he was maybe taking a few too many touches, maybe having too many, too many flat, fancy flicks. And that's probably indicative of our, our attitude to the game overall. It's like he didn't, he he felt he could just show, but um, that said, you know, uh, he still created more than any than Boyd and Arfield could have done if they'd been playing for for six weeks. Um, they were they were diabolically bad, and when you've got those two players who are when you've got Barton and Westwood in the middle, you need those wide players to be able to offer some kind of creativity, and there was there was nothing whatsoever. So you know, we talk we mourn about just booting the ball up. Um, Upfield far too often and not getting the ball down on the on the on the, on the turf, but I, I'd come back to that and say oh, these are not the players who who we, we didn't have that midfield who could do that. So it, it, really looking forward to getting Brady back in the team um, in the league at weekend. But it, it's still that that big concern for me, and that's something you know. I know we've been a little bit unlucky with a couple of injuries and suspensions, but that's what the squad's supposed to be there for. Uh, and that's where our, our lack of depth shows. I think we've got some nice bits of depth in, you know, those kind of solid players who can come in and, and do a job. But when we need that added creativity, that's that's just what we, what we don't have. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think someone like Brady could have made a big difference today. I think Goodmanson would have made a difference if he'd stayed on. Um, obviously, Defoe and Hendrick are unavailable at the moment, and we changed our fullbacks, so we we were without a lot of important players, but it's probably four or five undefendable, undefendable is not a word, indefensible, that's a word, indefensible individual performances. Um, James, 
trying to make some excuses for for the performance. I don't know what your view was like, but it seemed like the pitch was a bit uneven. There was a lot of bad first touches um, and a lot of passes that seemed a bit bobbly. Was it just ineptitude from our players, or is the pitch having a bit of a factor? It looks a bit brown in some places. Yeah, I think the pitch is the worst it's been for a couple of seasons this year, actually, because um, it is sort of going a little bit bold. And um, in previous years, you know, since we had the new pitch installed, it hasn't done that. Um, and I'm I'm not really sure why this year, to be honest, because the weather's not been particularly wet or particularly cold. I don't think it's been worse than previous seasons. But it, it does look significantly worse. And I think that's what... I know in the end, people looked at Conte's comments last week and they talked more about the size of the pitch. But to me, actually, the bigger issue and what he was really getting at was that the pitch was a little bit bold and he felt that suited the way we play a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, the quality of the pitch isn't as good as it was. And uh, I don't know if that affected us because I think it normally has played into our hands a little bit. Um, but maybe, you know, with Lincoln may, maybe being more used to pitches that have a little bit less grass on maybe they sort of felt a little bit more settled on it than we did I'm not sure to be honest but the the quality of the play there today wasn't wasn't the level we're used to particularly as we're saying with people's first touches there was a lot of poor touches a lot of poor passes um, and I don't know whether it's down to the pitch or whether that's just the, the easy way to explain it yeah like I said I'm just trying to make excuses for the terrible performance um Natalie, I think we've danced around it a little bit. Individual performances, some really bad ones. Um, after last Point weekend, I don't, I don't think I should be picking players out after last weekend. Disgraceful. Uh, <laughs> absolutely disgraceful, can, can Jamie. Start, disgraceful. Can, can we start with Joey Barton, who actually was disgraceful? Pulling antics, yeah. diving, cheating, trying to get Matt Reed sent off. Lost that battle with Matt Reed, who's the least footballer-looking footballer I've ever seen. And yeah. then tops it all off with an embarrassing tweet storm. Really, really bad day for Joey Barton. Yeah, and it really was. We've not seen that from him. He's been saintly for us since he yeah, signed. Yeah, he has. It was the old Joey Barton today. It was, and it's something the first time that we've seen um, in a Burnley shirt from, from Barton, and I really didn't like it. And one of the things that we've said all the way through his career with us is that he's not been like that with us and that he is a changed man and he's grown up and that you know Burnley get the best out of him and he gets the best out of Burnley but today was just just awful I don't I don't think there's any justifying his behavior to be honest it doesn't look particularly well on us but I can't help but feel that a lot of that was frustration up until that point he did he did seem to be one of the only players in the side who actually really wanted this and was trying to to g up the players and trying to to make something of it, and nobody else really seemed to to be taking him on. But it, it's just inexcusable, and I, I just don't want to see it. I really don't. Um, I just don't. I don't understand why. It's. I mean, the conspiracy theorist in me that likes to come out every now and again thinks that maybe he's. Maybe this fine is sorry. This suspension um, for go. the betting scandals over his head. <laughs> no, no, I'm just <laughs> new feature. <laughs> new feature. Um, I don't know whether or not that's maybe. Well, I suppose a few people have, have tweeted this to maybe look at it and say, does he already know that he's got a ban, so he doesn't care anymore? I'm not entirely sure that that would sway him that much. Um, or is it just hanging over his head and the pressure's getting to him? Or was it just simply a case of 
he was frustrated with 10 other players around him who weren't stepping up to the game. Things weren't going his way. He couldn't do anything to, to change the game and he just got frustrated. I don't know. I just hope that that is one of the first and last time that we see it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, if we had the options in the squad, I'm not sure that, that Joey Barton plays a significant part in that match. I think... I think I think he was probably maybe half an hour in. You saw him start to get wound up and frustrated, and like you say, that's just not something we've seen from him before um, in a Burnley shirt. And I think from that point onwards, he he just completely self-destructed. It wasn't just his. I mean, his attitude was was to was just it was disgraceful. It was it was really terrible. But all, his performance, as, as soon as he got wound up, his performance just deteriorated rapidly and significantly and it was it, 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 it was awful it was quite frankly absolutely absolutely terrible and I think if we didn't have such a, a, a not a crisis a potential problem in um, in central midfield it, I'm not even sure he starts the second half um, he was he was he was so bad uh, I've not seen some of the, the more high profile incidents in, in detail I had a um, not the best view at the turf today, um, so I, I can't comment on on some of the other the, the, the things that have been has been accused of here and there. But all I can say is that his attitude, um, the, the way he he looked like he was approaching the game, uh, particularly in the second half and increasingly as the match went on, was unacceptable, and his performance just got worse and worse and worse throughout the match. Um, he looked he looked like a, a non-league player in the second half, whereas some of the, he looked more like a non-league player than many of the, of the Lincoln players. He just, he, we know Joy Barton for that composure. Um, when everything, usually when things are kind of going crazy around, he's usually one who can calm things down. He's one who's kind of really cool, calm, collected, really composed. And he was the complete opposite. He was just whacking at things. He was hacking at things. He was kind of losing his back. He was losing his man. He was, he he just looked like he'd never played football for him that second half, and that's that's a concern. I think you know we've we've spoke so highly in the past of how he's been not Joey Barton uh, at Burnley, and we were confused about why he he failed so badly on the pitch as well as off the pitch at Rangers, and and I think we, we we've seen today that. It seems that when something does get to his head, it it doesn't just affect his his head. It really affects his his, his performance. Just disappears. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen again. Hopefully that's the first and last time we'll see that uh, at Burnley. Because if that happens again and we've got more more options, he's he's not in the team. I think if we did have those options in midfield, I, I'm not sure he starts the next match. If I was manager, I certainly wouldn't start him again after that. I think he'd need a bit of time out of the team just to, just to calm him back down and and really show him that that sort of approach to the game in the second half isn't acceptable. I I think you're probably right, but options is what it comes down to at the minute in central midfield, isn't it? There's four out. Hendrick's not going to be back for Hull. Hopefully the four might have a chance, but there's, there's just not anybody else. You couldn't even today. You couldn't even put Tarkovsky on in midfield because he was already playing at the back. Um, James, if we can stick on Barton, obviously the running battle with Matt Reed um, seemed to be what wound Barton up. Barton's trod on Reed's toes, then jumped into his elbow and <laughs> claims to be an elbow in the head. Barton's then shoved um, Hackridge, was it? And Flanagan was involved in that as well. It's just a, a total loss of discipline from. 
from Barton. But all last season players were trying to wind him up and he was completely zen. He rose above it. We saw none of this outburst, none of this Barton getting in people's faces and it looked like he was trying to get himself sent off at times today. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was a strange one. Obviously, we've seen him play quite a bit for Burnley now and um, I, I don't think we've ever seen a glimpse of the, the Barton of old. T- today was maybe the closest we've got to that. Um, I, I think it was, you know, it was all down to the way Matt Reid played the game and, I, you know, I think he's, he's a physical player. I think he, he knows that his main advantage is, is his size and he uses it the best he can, which I imagine is what any player would do in a similar situation. Um, but, you know, obviously Joey's let it get to him. It's rattled him a little bit. And w- when he got to that, that incident with, that you mentioned there with Flanagan as well, um, actually, he he had stepped back there. He, he, I mean, he does put his hand to, to the player's face, so he could have easily been sent off. Um, but when it comes to the actual push, he's lifted his arms up and he's like sort of trying to back away when Flanagan pushes him over. And I mean, it was just madness because that situation alone, we could have ended up with Nambin on the pitch and, you know, that would have been embarrassing, really. Um, but, you know, th- there's a clip going around on Twitter that people are saying that, you know, you won't see much much coverage of in the papers with Joey Barton, which is where Reid clearly leads with his elbow in, you know, quite an aggressive fashion. Um, so it is easy to see why he got wound up but you know I, th- I think there was two sides to that battle all day and um, you know sometimes it, it it does get to players I don't think anyone's had that persistence with Barton while he's played for us you know you've seen niggling tackles on him but but there's not been someone who has sort of been in his face for a full 90 minutes and um, you know it, it clearly did get to him and I don't know whether part of it was you know frustration as well with the way we were playing because no one was at the races really and you know Tarkovsky was given man of the match and he he gave away champagne to, to the goal scorer which I think was a recognition of the fact that no one on our side of the, the game was really deserving of an accolade such as man of the match um, so I don't know whether it was you know a lot of frustration uh, to do with the general performance plus the frustration of having someone like Matt Reed in your face all day um, but you know hopefully he goes away and reflects on it and, and we don't see it again yeah, I mean, on Matt Reid, I've seen a lot of comments about his, his performance, Natalie, and the way he plays the game, but it seems to me like we've got a bit of a taste of our own medicine. He plays the game very much like Ashley Barnes, uh, plays the man rather than the ball a lot of the time. Um, probably more extreme than Barnes, but very similar in the way he approached the game. And We just didn't cope with Lincoln's physical, aggressive approach, and that's what we've done to teams all season. Yeah, exactly. You can't... You can't play that game of football and then start whinging when somebody finds the way to counteract that and and you don't have a a plan B to go with it. I think my biggest disappointment today, and I mentioned this earlier on, is our lack of reaction. Um, We've seen before this season that we don't do very well when we have possession. We much prefer to give possession to the other side and chase it down. That That's how we play. We, we actually also don't particularly seem to like being favourites. And ultimately today, we didn't react to the, to the situation we found ourselves in. We weren't mentally prepared to be the favourites and to be dominant in this game. And it's like Burnley wanted to be the underdog 
It's like they wanted to play the underdog role and it, that, that doesn't work when you aren't the underdog. Um, you know, they, they were trying to, they were just hoofing long balls up and they were, you know, it, it's look, it was looking like they, they were trying to, to play like they didn't have any confidence. And that's, that was a really disappointing thing for me because you, you, you are, you need to be professional. You know, you, you need to, you need to assess the game and be mentally prepared for what's going to be thrown at you. And we just did not do that today. We, you know, you weren't the underdogs, you were the favourites. So stop playing like that. Yeah, I mean, on on the favourites tag, Sean Dash mentioned that in in his post match comments. He said that we basically didn't cope um, with being favourites. We've touched on Burnley struggling in possession quite a lot. No real cohesion in attack. No creativity in the final third. Um, Kevin Dash seems to think that we did create a lot of chances. So highlighting the finishing. Um, for me, there just weren't many clear-cut chances in the game. And overall, if we're going to talk about who deserved to win, I think Lincoln deserved to win. They were the better team for me. Oh, with, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's important as well to highlight that Lincoln obviously played their part in a massive day for that football club. A lot of people expect them to come here for the day out and get turned over. And they came to Burnley and did a job on us. Absolutely, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think any of us can take away um, the, the the fantastic performance and result from it. I think I've, I've, I've said it was a very, very efficient performance. I think that throughout the whole team, right from the management and the tactics which were employed, uh, which was perfectly spot on, uh, right through to, to the execution from the players, was very professional. It was very efficient. It was a, a fantastic performance and. You know, you, you, it, it's weird. I was sat quite near the um, right in the Bob Lowe stand near the away fans, and although we'd got beat, it was it was kind of humbling, in a kind of in a weird way to see just the euphoria uh, between the fans and the, and particularly the players at the end. The, the players looked just over the moon. We looked so full of themselves, and that was it. Almost nowhere near made up for what a terrible um, result and performance it was for us. But it was. It was. I, I. I tried to make. I should try. Try to distract my terrible, horrible feelings in my mind by being pleased with those players. It didn't yeah. work very well, but I tried. They didn't want to go home, did they? The fans at the end. No, no. <laughs> um, a change from the opposition fans. In Burnley's a bleep. I want to go home. <laughs> yeah. We love it in Burnley. Um, we want to stay here forever. Something more like that. In my absence, apparently a new feature was launched. I've been canvassed heavily to get rid of it. But, given all the negative stuff that we've had to talk about, I think we should probably go over to James for some positivity. Oh, no, really? We're doing this? In Kitely Corner. Oh, no. By the way, Kitely Corner needs a jingle, so please send it No, it doesn't Corner. need a jingle because it's not lasting. Stop this. Just... When he stops scoring, when he stops scoring, we'll stop doing Kitely Corner. Okay, deal? It doesn't, doesn't need a jingle, it just needs some a sound effect of the ball hitting the back of the net. <laughs> Boy's on fire. <laughs> three and three since he left us. And today he's on fire. Your defence is terrified. Today's... This feature just got worse and worse. But if this feature wasn't bad enough, now Jim has made it I even really, worse. I really with want that. to resign right now. I'll see uh, Anyway, back, back to the matter at hand. Today's could be the best finish yet. And considering that free kick, that is saying something. The, the the ball over the top, don't know who it was from because that's completely irrelevant. All that matters is the way Michael Cartley dealt with it. What a touch to, to take it past the defender and then lob the keeper. Exquisite. It uh, was a 
it was a wonderful goal, wasn't it? it like I say, it wasn't just for the finish, which was fantastic. It was the, the touch before it was just perfect. And yeah, like and, if we had someone making a with a first touch like that to the turf, we might have won. I was, I, I was about to say, yeah, it made it even more. It made it more. It made it actually quite difficult to watch, knowing that we had to sit through <sighs> Boyd and Arfield today, who were. I'm not. I've, I've tried to restrain myself from talking about Boyd and Arfield because. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about them I'm because I might talk about like, <laughs> because they they were so so hideously bad. I think I I I put in our knowing they never chat after a match, but I hope we never play professional football again, which is maybe a slight overreaction. But that's what it, that's what it felt like. They were just so bad. So we, we have on Dericka that we've not mentioned either. Not even a Drick, footballer. Yeah, Dericka Dericka isn't a footballer. But um, yeah, when you when you go back I and mean, when you you look on Twitter and see the the video of that goal from Kylie, you just. I'm not a big Kylie fan at all, um, and I, just, I, I was just uh, sitting there thinking, I wish we had Kylie. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Like, don't want to labour this point too much, James, but he does seem completely reborn now. He's scored three and three since moving there, and it, it's just incredible from from a guy that we've not really seen on the pitch for the last two, three seasons. I mean, it really is a wonder what getting regular football could do for you. You know, obviously he's, he's clearly got a bit of confidence now. He's playing good football. And uh, today's goal as well was like through the middle, which is somewhere we never really saw him get an opportunity to to venture to with Burnley. But obviously I know that's where he scored a lot of his goals when he was uh, with Grey's Athletic before he's, he's moved to, to Wolves. Um, but his goal scoring record actually throughout his career is, is pretty good. If you look at it against the, the wingers who displaced him at Burnley, sort of our field. He, he scored far mm. more goals in a lot less games as well because of his, his chronic knee issues years ago. How, how's um, his goal record compared to Junior Stanislas? I'd imagine it's superior. Do you want me to check? <laughs> <laughs> no, Junior's played at a higher level, so it's, it's, it's irrelevant. Let's not check. He's, 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 he's played at a, a, a largely the same level, hasn't he? This is like a game of top trumps where the topic of top trumps is wingers which were displaced out of the team by Sean Dyche. Well, okay, so in 124 starts, oh, 66 no. substitute appearances, Junior Stanislas has scored 21 goals. Wow, that's, impre- that's quite impressive, actually. Which is, a, I think, quite a reasonable return, actually. It's more yeah, than I expected. Because I thought he was a lot worse than that. Uh, Michael Kiteley, 239 starts and 65 substitute appearances, has scored 61 league goals. It's pretty good. That's like one in five, isn't it? That's decent. <laughs> it's actually 62 because Soccer Base hasn't updated from today yet. But uh, and, and for a Burnley, a, a very regular current Burnley comparison, Scott Arfield in 307 appearances and 47 substitute appearances has scored 39 goals. Wow. I think we should probably leave Kylie Corner there for now. Please, uh, can we? <laughs> but just, just, but just to get back to the, the main contrast with our game. Oh, no. oh God! It would, it would, how how amazing would it have been to see that sort of touch from at least someone at one point during the game? Uh, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a collective effort to try and give the ball straight back like it that. The turf in a while. The first touch in the past incident was absolutely awful. Like, it's, it's cliche to say you you wouldn't have been able to tell who was the Premier League team, but you absolutely wouldn't. If you didn't know that that was a Premier League team against a non-league team, you wouldn't know. You'd just think it was a non-league game. And we were that bad. <laughs> I, I actually thought someone... I, I can't attribute to someone because I can't remember who tweeted it. Uh, 
<laughs> made a tweet that sort of summarised everyone's first touch for the day by talking about the off-field chance from Tarkovsky. And I said, you know, a sublime piece of football from Tarkovsky. And then Alfield boots it away, away like it's a grenade. Well, hopefully that's not <laughs> that's least tweet of the week. Otherwise, we've kind of stole yeah, it's slightly awkward, there, guys. <laughs> leaving Kylie Corner, which isn't a feature. Let's go to tweet of the week, which is a feature. Over to Natalie. Drake was not a footballer. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week. Indeed. Well, this week's week's tweet of the week was really, really, really hard because it was just um, our social media feeds were just full of expletives. And also... Everybody just decided to tweet like, "Oh, well done, Lincoln! You, you, I'm really pleased for you." And I'm really like, I sulk when Burnley lose, and I don't want to give somebody a tweet of the week and congratulates Lincoln because I'm angry. So you all need to stop doing that, please, because it makes me very narrow pool of people I can choose a tweet of the week from. Hashtag bitter clarets. I know yes. I can't help it. I'm oh, really bad. I don't want to congratulate a side who's just beaten us and knocked us out of the I, club. I, I don't actually, care. I really didn't like that the club sent us congratulations. No, me neither. No, Especially given not. if they'd have played out of their skin and we'd have played out of their skin and it was just one of those things and fair enough, but like not when we played as badly as we did and, and that was before any reaction from... The, anyway, I'm, I'm getting angry I now. can imagine now if a small child dropped his ice cream in front of you and someone gave him a free replacement, you'd knock it out of his hand. Probably. <laughs> no, I really wouldn't do that Anyway, what's one tweet of the week? Anyway, so this week's Tweet of the Week kind of summarises where I was going with this one and how I feel about being dumped out of the cup. And it's been sent by Kevin Holmes, who simply says, doesn't feel magic when you're on the wrong end of it. And I think that's very true. I think two sides of fans today, Lincoln, will be feeling the magic of the cup, and I really, really don't. So thank you, Kevin. That won this week's Tweet of the Week. Yeah, I think that's true. I think Dash said, didn't he, that he's been on the, the other end of it as the player experiencing what it's like to play in a, a cup upset and it's obviously the absolute opposite when it when it happens to you. Um, Kevin, it didn't seem to me like Dash was that bothered though. All, all his time at Burnley, we've not really had a big cup run. His team selections seem to indicate that he doesn't particularly value the cup. Okay, we're in the strongest team we have in a cup competition this season, but even after they get... Like, I, th- I thought he'd be angry with that performance. He just didn't seem that bothered to me. No, um, I think I mean, before he was stressing like it's all about the Premier League. We're basically safe in the Premier League. There's no excuse not to have a crack at the cup. Yeah, I think he before the last round he said he, he was saying something about you know the the cup's got this nice sentimentality, but in terms of the the business case, there's not much of a business case for prioritising it. Let's just you know it's it's nice to turn up and have a nice day but we, we don't really care about it not those words but that's essentially what he said uh, and it's seen that way um, I mean in terms of team selection he's he's it's not been too bad I think today's was uh, a, a very strong team it's not too dissimilar to what you'd, you'd see in a Premier League game essentially um, I think the only real changes were were at, were at fullback um, and, and and me dropping out but then we've talked about Tarkovsky being uh, kind of head and shoulder, head and neck and neck with me anyway. So the only really place where the um, the team was really weakened was a fullback. So a team selection, not not a big issue for me. But I think, yeah, Dyche before the game, um, during the game, and after the game didn't seem 
all that fuss about the cup. Um, you look historically as well, and we've never had that. We, we, we've never had that cup run under Sean Dyche. I was actually, I was trying to think about the last time we. Uh, I'm trying to think of how many the cup games we've won uh, under Sean Dyche, and you can probably count um, on, on on one hand, maybe even. So this is the furthest we've been, isn't it? Yeah. By 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 far, yeah. I can I can only think of kind of one or two before this season that we've we've won under Dyche in the cup. So it's 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 clearly something he doesn't prioritise at all. It's clearly something he's not that bothered about. He's not he's clearly got not that much desire to have a, a a go at the cup, and that probably is reflected in our performance today. If you've got a manager who clearly isn't that bothered about the cup, um, then it's probably quite difficult for him to to get the players um going out with that so i think it's, it, it we talk about how bad we were i suppose it is quite difficult to play against uh when you when you're such strong favorites um and it, it requires a very specific kind of uh approach i think in the dressing room to get those players really motivated and fired up and 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 playing like, like they need to do and when you've got sean dice who by all evidence and by what we've seen doesn't have that much interest in the cup yeah but you know we've talked about the the players throughout the field having um terrible diabolical disgraceful individual performances and also a collective unit but i think that does probably come back come down from the um from the the manager's approach and if he's he, if he doesn't care that much about the cup uh, it must be quite difficult to, to to get the team really fired up for that so um I, I, I can't fault his team selection, but in terms of the the, the approach uh, to which we we, we gave the game, uh, Sean Dyche has got to take the ultimate responsibility for that. I think. Yeah, I mean it's a tough one. I think we've seen a lot um, this season that any sort of criticism of Dyche seems to be verboten, just because of how good we've performed in the Premier League, especially at home. But I think. A lot of the away performances and today's performance and Stanley in the EFL Cup, it shows that he's obviously prioritised home games in the Premier League and everything else seems to have fallen by the wayside a little bit. Um, James, I don't know if it's partly our fault, everyone seems to assume that we were in the quarter-finals, but at the end of the day, the two cup competitions this season, we've gone out to Accrington Stanley and Lincoln City. It's, it's not really good enough, is it? It's a bit embarrassing. No, and I'm, I'm sure obviously we'll get to it when we get to the predictions league, but <laughs> I think several of us are pretty embarrassed now by the predictions, predictions we gave last week uh, and what actually came to be reality. And yeah, there was a lot of parallels to the Akron to Stanley game, but I mean, dare I say, I think this was even worse. I, I felt like it, it was maybe worse. At least that time round, we played a, you know, more of a mix of uh, sort of players. There, there was a lot, there was a lot more first team players not involved yeah, and I think we played yeah did we play yeah and we played like a few other people players like, players like oh. were making the first appearance so it was, it was very experimental Overstead Overstead played I just remembered yeah Freddie even played and uh, he's well he went alone and we've not really heard any anything about us about him since has he been playing I'm, I'm not even sure um, obviously Michael Carter did play which was a great pick but um how did Kyle no. play at Stanley? Was he man of match? <laughs> was he rubbish? I he, totally ineffective? I think, I think he came out above average. But no. No. granted, the bar was set pretty low in that game. Uh, he had a chance or two. 
Uh, unfortunately, one Duke should have put away and, and didn't. Uh, but obviously, we all know how Duke does now. You know, left scoring loads of goals. The bit of a pattern developing. Uh, but I don't know whether it's just something against like the the teams where we we think maybe we should win. Um, you know, there's one thing for sure: we don't like playing with the ball. And I said earlier, you know, West Brom away it was the same thing. They just let us play with the ball, and uh, and we we couldn't cope with it. And I think Dash touched on it in his post game comments. He said that you know it's been a long time since we haven't been the underdogs. You know, it's a long time since we've been a heavy favourite for a game. Um, I'd, I'd because, argue that the two previous rounds, Sunderland at home and certainly Bristol City at home, we were strong favourites and won those games quite comfortably. There's yeah, something I, different about today. I don't know if it's complacency or the players just mentally didn't seem on the game today. Yeah, we, we just didn't we didn't turn up. I think is the easiest way to put it. I don't know whether maybe we're searching too hard to find a reason, and you know maybe just sometimes this happens, and you know you. you you have a bad day, but it is rare for so many players to have a bad day on the on the same, you know, on the same occasion. I mean, if you were to go for a normal ranking system of you know like one to ten for the performance, and you say every player starts at six, and you adjust it from there, Goodmanson maybe gets a six because he got injured before he had a chance to affect his score, and the rest probably all end up at Can least a point that? down. I think that's fantastic. Goodmanson gets a six because he got injured before he had the chance to do anything wrong. Which is, yeah. <laughs> that just says it all about today. <laughs> Goodmanson yeah, was uh, our best player because he got injured before it all went wrong. <laughs> um, but this, there is clearly something about playing, you know, smaller teams that comfortable TV. Akron Sanders on TV, wasn't it? Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's TV and playing smaller teams. Um, I think I, our I'm record sure. on TV isn't great this season, is it? A lot of that Super Sunday game. I don't think we've won anything on Super Sunday at the season. We beat Watford on Monday night, didn't we? But apart from that, I think our team well, we did get We did get a great result against Chelsea. So Yeah, that's true. But again, not a win, but no, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And it's it's one of those ones that, you know, we could have easily, we could have probably got to the final in, in this competition. Um, but obviously we came out and we didn't acquit ourselves correctly. And I, I think... You know, you look at it, and it's, I don't think it's embarrassing to get beat by Lincoln because obviously they came out, played with, came with a plan, uh, executed it, and and got what they what they wanted. Um, but what it is embarrassing to do is perform like that. Uh, and yeah, I think we would have said the same thing if we played that way against Chelsea last week. Um, even though Chelsea are probably easily the, easily the best team in the country, we still would have thought it was an embarrassing way to to, to lose a game because the, the players just you know didn't turn up. Uh, you know, it was it was basics were lacking, weren't they? I think if you know some of the touches we saw from players today, if you saw your mate do that playing father side on like a Wednesday evening, you'd you'd be questioning what he's doing. It was like the number of times that people went to control fairly simple passes and the ball just ballooned up in the air. I know Andre Gray gets a lot of stick for his first touch, and his first touch isn't great for a Premier League striker, but they were all at it today. Just terrible touches. It, I've said it before, but it was honestly like two non-league teams playing at times. Really, really poor. Um, I need to move on from that game now, Natalie, because I'm getting wound up thinking about it. <laughs> but it's our last game at home now till till April. We're not going to have a home quarter-final because we're not in the cup quarter-final like 
you said we were going to be. <laughs> and yeah, all, sorry about that. All the way next week. Suddenly it looks like a, a big game. Burnley need to show that they've learned something from today and really bounce back and put down a much better performance. We've lost four in a row, 2-1, away from home, and we need to show that we can get a result away from home now. We've got four away games in a row. Yeah, we really do. It's getting to critical times now, isn't it, with our away performances this season. Um, I, <sighs> Hull seems to me to be a much trickier game than it would have been maybe a couple of months ago on the grounds that Hull have suddenly found themselves coming into a little bit more form. So I am a little nervous about this, but given our league performances and given that that now is the only thing we have to play for this season now is our Premier League survival and given the fact that even though he fielded a strong team today he did obviously change um, quite a few key personnel so we will have our strongest team out on Saturday then I certainly would expect them to refocus when they go back into training on Monday and get themselves prepared for it I think the biggest concern for me, well yeah maybe it is a concern but I've got a little bit of a, a, a an itch really about the lack of goals that we're scoring at the moment we're not seeing to be scoring a massive amount from open play um Hull have found themselves being able to score two or three goals um recently so I think that maybe the priority for the training this week is to really think about how we create some more chances for our front two and get them some balls that we can at least challenge the keeper or met their defenses at least try and block something I expect Brady coming back in will help that. We're going to have somebody who can put the, the ball in. Um, I guess the worry for me is is what happens, um, as it has been for the last couple of weeks, with personnel. If we, we still don't know what's happening with Barton's hearing. And let's let's chalk off today as um, a bad day at the office for Barton. Let's assume that he gets a talking to from Deitch and he's back to the joy we know and love next week. If he doesn't get his suspension this week or the hearing isn't finalised and we'll be okay but let's let's assume that this is the week that we're going to find out there's one, two, three match ban and he's not available for Hull we're going to have to play Westwood and Arfield probably in the central midfield and again I think that's probably the most worrying factor for me is that we have to go to Hull, we have to try and play, we can't now start playing for a nil-nil draw, we have to go and try and win the game and I'm struggling to see where our chances are going to come from um, and how we're going to improve the side that at the moment is looking a little bit goal shy. Yeah, I mean, it's what Kev keeps saying about options. Central midfield team picks itself and last to falls back. There's not really any alternative there. Out wide, it's going to be the same. Boyd or Arfield is going to have to play because there's nobody else. Even if Brady oh. does come back in, it's just why was someone just making a <laughs> line? I, I just heard the words Boyd and Arfield and just it's like a, it sounded like oh, a dying no. seal sounds like a ghost uh, in the background I didn't realise it was a planned noise my apologies I, 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 I do feel like a, a dying seal whenever um, I think about Boyd and Arfield <laughs> which is a fear that I'm sure many listeners can uh, identify with <laughs> Yeah, so as I was saying, one point Harfield is going to have to play. Oh. <laughs> That'll be me when the team comes out and it's Boyd and Harfield and Brady's back on the bench. Oh. <laughs> but Kevin, if you can stop saying like a dying seal, uh, no, nobody who played today made any sort of case for selection, so it's, it's just going to have to be back to the regular team. It is, yeah. Um, you know, we. <sighs> I've I've been talking about how you know the likes of Vaux have been 
really knocking on the door and being kind of neck and neck on whether they should be in, in or out of the team. And I think Vox in the last few weeks, he scored um, in the couple, couple of weeks ago, he scored in the in the league. And I think he's been, um, he's been really, I've, I've been making a case for him to be coming into the team um, for Barnes. And I was expecting this was a game where he could come out really, again, just show, show Sean Dyche, I, I need to be starting. Um, I, I, I deserve to be in the team. I've, I've picked my phone back up and it, it, it didn't happen at all. He was, <laughs> Gray's been getting a lot of stick uh, for his performance today. I think it's. I think that's more down to to Vokes. I think the way we play, it really needs um, Andre Gray. Really needs that player alongside him to to help him out. The way you know, we play those long balls. But we know there was one occasion. I think there was, there was one occasion where Vokes got the ball. Their defense was quite pushed up, and Gray was making the runs going behind. Volts didn't play it in, and that's the no. one time the whole team was in a position to spring Gray, and they didn't. Yeah, so you know we play, play that long ball up. You know, Gray is never going to win the ball in the air. He's never going to bring it down. He's not got that first touch. And with all those things combined, you re- he really needs for Gray to be effective in the system we play. He needs uh, the, the strike alongside him to be. Um, to be playing that role uh, really efficiently, and Vokes didn't, didn't today. So, you know, Gray gets has got some stick, but I think that more comes down to, to Vokes and himself. So, that was probably the, the, the biggest thing. What we what would have been um, kind of looking for today was, is is Vokes to make that point, that case for him to come in. It didn't happen. Um, another thing we would have wanted to, to have uh, seen is good Gunnarsson get um, have a really good game. Um, get a good, hopefully, 90 minutes or at least a good spell of the game under his belt and, and hopefully he could then come back into the team. I've been saying this for weeks now, but I've been really, really, really excited to see Brady and Gudmundsson on the wings uh, for, for the rest of the season. I think I've been really excited about that. I think it'll be a massive, massive, massive change um, to our team. And obviously, we've he's picked up his injury today. I don't know how, how bad it is, but it's, it's not looking good for him. Um, he's had a bit of He's had a bit of bad luck with those injuries, and that means that, like you say, it's going to be um, one of Boyd or Arfield. Uh, or, or, or we could bring him home. No, for <laughs> God's sake. What about play Tarkovsky on the wing? Well, he's played everywhere else, hasn't he? So he can't be any worse. He's probably got more creativity Tom in him. on the wing after his footwork at the end. But he, he, you know, actually, I think Tom Heaton took on more men than Boyd and Arfield <laughs> did in the entire match. That was a sublime term, wasn't it? I actually think at times Tarkovsky thought he was playing on the wing today. Uh, you know, particularly there was the time he was gallivanting up the left-hand side and then turned back into his man and gave the ball away. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's... that's that. Tarkovsky's like Maradona and Beckenbauer and Bobby Moore all rolled into one player. He's amazing. You know, it's it's a it's a kind of funny thing to say, but I think again that's just indicative of our approach days. It was the same when I said about Goodmanson earlier, kind of showboating a bit. Um, Goodmanson again, he I think he was he did feel like he was too confident on the ball. It was all he very casual, probably, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I think it was just well, one of those things where all, throughout the whole match we thought, you know, in a league game or in a, in a game against maybe Championship position, Tarkovsky doesn't uh, isn't doesn't play as much of a ball as, as he does um, as he did today. But I think it's one of the sort of I think you know it's, it's just a non a non league game. So I think we in some cases we we just approached it as a game just where we can just kind of for want of a better way of putting just just mess about and just play about and almost it, treat it like a, a training ground game. So oh. um, and, yeah, and anyone who's played like youth Sunday league football knows that it's always the fancy lad who gets kicked and. Uh... 
ultimately that's what happened to him, isn't it? That's what happened to Gunmunson, yeah. Um, coming back to the whole game specifically, though, James, since they appointed Marco Silva, they've been superb at home. They're still in the bottom three, but they've won four in a row at home in all competitions, five unbeaten at the KC. Um, he's not doing too badly for, for a foreigner who doesn't know anything about the Premier League, is he, Marco Silva? It's going to be a tough game. I think every game in the Premier League you know, is a tough game. I know that's maybe a bit of a cliche to say, but um, the, the problem is, you know, we've gone, we've gone from having great home form, which I think was keeping our confidence up, and then we put in a performance like that this this weekend. And it, it the concern for me is, say the the being knocked out of the cup was disappointing, but the the bigger issue was, you know, we're talking about oh we can concentrate on the league. But what does a game like that do for the confidence? Because we really need to keep our confidence for our home results if we're going to, you know, maintain this this mid-table position and maybe even build on it. Um, and a result like that is just isn't good for the confidence. And you know, if we then go to Hull on Saturday, maybe not feeling quite like how we normally do, um, get beat there, then we've got a lot of away games coming up where. You know, there's not going to be that opportunity to play at home and, and get the confidence levels right back up. Um, and, and this really is a key stretch coming up because I think, is it Swansea soon after as well? Is it Swansea, Liverpool, Sunderland, hi. I mean, take Liverpool out of that, that's probably one that you don't really expect to get a result out. But, I mean, the rest of them should be winnable for us away from home. And, you know, if we could win those three, that that would put us in a fantastic position, wouldn't it? You know, we, would, you know we, we would be safe at that point. Just to let you know, we are going to get a result at Liverpool because that's on my birthday. Um, and you can send your birthday cards to um, <laughs> podcast at noneverdone.net and your kind of gift cards or you know anything, any monetary gifts you want to send my way. Um, that's on my birthday. But yeah, we are going to get a result just to let you know we're, we're going to well, we're going to be in we, we won't be overconfident, set overconfident. Then I'll put that as a point guaranteed. <laughs> but if we could get a couple of three points from the other ones, you know that that would be our season done, really, wouldn't it? From, from a survival point of view um, there'd be no question marks then and I think eventually we've got to win, win away from home but my concern now is where's the confidence at and you know a long a long string of away games um, it could be difficult uh, but you know hopefully we, we can get something going and and Hull I think is as good a place as any you know they have obviously turned things around but if we go there and get a, a good result I think we could be sort of the that final kick in the teeth that, that means they definitely go down. Yeah, just briefly then, before we come on to the Predictions League, um, Natalie, these four away league games, what sort of points hold do you think Burnley can can be looking for? Oh, God. You'd take four out of four, wouldn't you? I was just, I was just literally about to say four would be incredible. A I'd be very happy with four, a win and a draw, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely take that. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with four. That... Uh, yeah, let's go with that four. Kevin, higher or lower? Higher or lower than four? Gone about Bruce Forsyth, higher or lower? I don't know, I wasn't listening to a question, so <laughs> James, higher or lower? I also have no idea what the question is. Oh, fantastic, everyone stop listening. Let's move on to the predictions league then. <laughs> Kevin, nobody predicted a win, nobody predicted um, a Lincoln win, so let's wrap it up quickly, it's been a terrible week, yada yada yada. Predictions, predictions. It's the prediction league. Well, yeah, it's been it's been a, it has been a terrible week, um, <laughs> <laughs> and 
I'm starting to get woo because it's now. I'm starting to start now. Starting to think it's not just a potential potential problem for me. It's starting <laughs> to get to a crisis. I've now got. I've now got three three zeros in a row, which is although. Oh yeah, I'm really worried for you, Kevin. You were like um, today. You just got overconfident. I am. Well, you say that, but I'm going to. I think you know. I'm going to give myself some credit because I was closest. I, 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 I actually, what, sorry, wasn't wasn't Smith closest? He did predict twelve nil to to Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't I get a point for that? <laughs> so yeah, that's um, yeah, that's an oversight on my part. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was I, I was I was the I was the, the the least I was the least optimistic of us all. I only, I only went for a two 0 win. So um, did I, me I and think... Smith really say we were going to score three goals? Yeah, James said Sorry. four. So, oh, lovely! You lot are just God. You, you're so you're so, you're so optimistic as always. And the just, podcast is too positive. As and I even I even went for the the grey hat trick today as well. And oh, I thought at fourteen to one the odds were great, but I thought it was I, well, I put three quid on because uh, oh, I thought no. 14, I thought three quid at fourteen to one. I thought it was printing money. And uh, well, <laughs> and actually, come to think of it as well, oh, I did well. also say I did also say last week that it would be a very cagey, very difficult game until the last. You know, five ten minutes or so when we get a breakthrough. It's just I was I was completely. I was on like seventy two minutes or something. Fake news. You've been rumbled by someone who's listened to the <laughs> alternative podcast too facts. Well. I had to listen to the podcast because I wasn't allowed on it last week. I know you're talking <laughs> rubbish. Don't lie to me. <laughs> Busting <Kevin>. tweet of a <laughs> <the> week. <laughs> Shall we do this week's predictions and get this over with? Who wants to go first? Holby Burnley on Saturday. Natalie, you go first. I think it's going to be. I've got a really bad feeling. No, I'm not going to do reverse psychology. I don't know what works away from home anymore. I'm confused by Nothing my own tactics. Yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> Nothing would have more than one point. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good point. Um, I'm going to say that Burnley are going to win. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, but I think we are going to win 2 1. And can I also say, Natalie, don't post on Facebook one one foot in three points. Well, I'm not actually allowed to do that. To be fair, Jamie, don't post one foot in a three points. Doesn't make any sense. Don't do that. I'm going to jump in with a 2-1 defeat because we've lost four in a row, 2-1. So it seems pretty solid. Um, Kevin, league leader. League leader. Um, I will still be league leader regardless of this because um, I'm so good. But um, <laughs> I'm modest with it. <laughs> I'm. Do you know? What? I'm. I'm really praying that my lead will be cut. Um, I'm really praying that I will continue my losing streak because I've gone down. I've gone for a one 0 defeat. I don't know if that's the, um, the 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 side of me was just watched that Lincoln performance predicting that, but. Um, yeah, we are predicting. We are making these predictions a few hours after the Lincoln game, and I've gone for a one nil, a one nil defeat. Fair enough, uh, James. Lastly, Hull scored at least twice in all their home games under Marco Silva. Well, in the in the last six home games against us, they've only won once. So, I think we are going to win, um, and I think we're going to win two nil. So you know, excellent. So James, James, James is on it with the stats tonight, isn't he? It's just yeah. you like you like a you like a talking encyclopedia. Yeah, a couple of people predicting wins and a couple of people predicting defeats. Then, so we'll revisit that on the podcast next week. But that's it for this week. It's been a long podcast considering how poor 
Burnley were. I think the podcast is going to be better than Burnley's performance was. <laughs> so that's something to count. Thanks as ever to everyone who listens. You can always get in touch with us at the podcast email address podcast at nonanever.net. You can also tweet us at nonanevernet. Thanks to Rick who provides our artwork. Thanks also to all our Kickstarter backers. Our website is coming along very nicely. Should hopefully be launching it soon. And advanced rewards are also on the way. Stickers will be in the post as well. Thanks to Kevin, James and Natalie for joining me. I've been Jamie Smith and this has been the Norning Ever podcast. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. He's a stat man. He's not a footballer, but let's be fair, he's not a footballer. Well, he is. He pays to be a footballer. Yeah, um, and what what was the first... You asked me two things then. What was the first thing you asked me? I can't remember. Well, my answer was probably going to be really fantastic and really brilliant and really intellectual. It would just might blow everybody's minds. But yeah, you, you, everyone you, can just imagine that. Doing a fantastic job. Back in the hospital after a week off. <laughs> clearly not got rusty at all. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.